This is April 14th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and I hope you guys are having a good week, uh, staying busy, all that stuff. I'm currently recording this on a Monday afternoon, um, and the power might go out. We don't uh, really know. Uh, Connor and I uh, braved the elements uh, to get this to get this podcast out and to get it recorded, his po- his power went out uh, right in the middle of recording. Actually, so we had to redo the whole thing. We get into that uh, a little bit more in depth uh, in the podcast. Uh, obviously, Connor Ryan, the uh, the guest on this show, you know him, you love him, all that fun stuff. Um, and on this episode, there was some news to actually discuss. We talked about you know how sad Colby Cave's death was. Uh, we talk about Tory Krug's future. We have quotes from Tory and uh, and General Manager Don Sweeney, so things actually aren't looking too hot on that end of things. Uh, but again, maybe they get something done soon. Who knows? And then we end the show talking about um, the salary cap and how it doesn't just negatively affect the Bruins; it actually hurts some teams in the Atlantic a lot more. One of those being your favorite hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so you can have a little bit of fun with that. Uh, towards the end of the podcast. Before we get into things, uh, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. And let me tell you something, folks. You'd be wrong, actually. Our exclusive uh, partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on, which are always a fun time. Um, and that's, that just is pretty much like an, like a real football game. I mean, Madden NFL 20 is very, very realistic. I wish NHL 20 could be as realistic, but that's a rant for another day. Um, if you're into entertainment betting, you could still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Maybe get you hungry for some hot dogs. Um, all these things are open 24 hours a day and they're all online. Uh, so you can do this from the comfort of your bed which is really what we're all looking for right now. Uh, visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Use promo code CLNS50. Uh, bet online, your online wagering solution. Um, and before we get uh, underway talking with Connor, uh, here is a message from Cedric Maxwell on Awaken 180 weight loss. And then after that, we'll get right into the podcast that I hope you enjoy. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss in this Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to weight loss from the company who has revolutionized 
the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Well, uh, my power just uh, went out because we're recording this on uh, on Monday, so I've uh, could be could be a little bit better, but I feel like everyone's going to be in the same boat today. So, all things considered, I'm doing okay. How are you doing, Evan? I'm doing all right. Yeah, we were we were in the midst of recording the last episode. Luckily, we were we had just started, uh, and I was talking, and all of a sudden, you we do this so we can see each other. And you froze up, and I was like, maybe he's looking at his computer screen, but he's been doing the same facial expression for, like, 30 <laughs> seconds, and his eyes have not moved. I was like, I think he might be frozen, so I just kept talking. I just, I just, I just, got, I just got really focused during these podcasts with you, Evan. <laughs> you just, you, like, give that poker face stare down to the yeah. camera. I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know what day of quarantine it is. I was thinking the other day, um, these days just blend. Like they just come and go. Uh, there's no new memories that are good. At least there's no just same stuff every day. At least for me, and I think for most people, it's sort of the same stuff. Um, so it's good to have things like these where we can break it up and at least do something that's a little bit different. Um, and I hope you guys, you listeners, are doing uh, the same with whatever it might be, whether it be Xbox like me, Netflix, reading a book, uh, Bible study like the Bruins talked about on Monday. Brandon Carlo talked about that. Uh, whatever your religion is, uh, we we run by freedom of religion on this podcast. I don't know if you knew that, uh, so we we support every religion. Uh, but so I, there's no good way to to intro this, um, but we have to start talking uh, or start with talking uh, about Colby Cave uh, passing away on Saturday. Uh, just tremendously sad news. Um, he'd went into a, a, a medically induced coma on Tuesday of last week, and then. Uh, his wife, Emily, posted that, you know, they'd need a miracle on Wednesday, and then he passed away um, on Saturday. I did not ever have the privilege of covering him, I don't think, ever. You did with his 20 games with the Bruins, I think, last year. Um, what were your memories of him, and sort of what was your reaction to his death on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just an absolute tragedy and kind of just a shocking thing that kind of came up out of nowhere. Um and, you know, for when Colby was up here, you know, it, it, my kind of main impression of him is just a guy who is, you know, obviously very, very driven. I mean, you're talking about a guy who put together a great kind of career for himself over in, uh, you know, the WHL and junior hockey, but, you know, wasn't drafted the two years he was eligible, signed with the Bruins after he was done over in the WHL and kind of just worked his way up from being a, a guy who I think, you know, he was, you know, coached with by uh, Bruce Cassidy over his first couple of years in Providence. And he was kind of viewed as more of a, a project or a kind of like, you know, like a bottom six AHL guy kind of known as a, you know, defensively responsible kind of forward. And he just kind of, I mean, pretty much just like worked his ass off, you know, to, to become a player that, you know, warranted, you know, a chance to show his, you know, his skills at the, at the NHL level. And, you know, I remember looking, you know, past kind of the old audio we had last year of Cassidy talking about it. And obviously they had a special connection and, uh, you know, Cassie was one of his kind of big supporters in terms of just what he brought, uh, not only on the ice, but as a guy who even at, you know, 21, 22 years old, he was, you know, Colby kind of set himself apart by being a guy who was already, you know, a leader, you know, amongst, 
you know, guys at the AHL level. And you look at so many of those guys in juniors, they, they make that big jump up and obviously the, you know, discrepancy in skill or, or the, you know, the next level these guys have to reach coming from, you know, the WHL as a captain and really kind of already establishing some of the next rank. Um, it's kind of a testament to kind of just the guy he was and, you know, the way he was able to build relationships and, um, you know, in, in the days following to the kind of guy Colby was in terms of, you know, I was reading those stories about how, you know, when he would go between the AHL and the NHL, I think this was when he was with Ed, but, you know, he would go and, you know, I think they said that he would hug or, or you know, say goodbye to every single employee in like the AHL, happy to be in the moment, happy to be, you know, doing this for a living. Um, and was, you know, put in so much work to kind of get to this level and, you know, carve out a, a long, you know, career for himself in pro hockey. and um, you know, it's just a tragedy when you look at just, you know, a guy who is so, you know, seemed like he was so full of energy, such a, a positive influence. He just generally appreciated kind of the opportunity that he himself copped out for himself. And, you know, to lose to lose a guy like that, um, you know, at 25 years old, you know, just got married this past summer. I mean, it, it's just an, an absolute tragedy, um, to say the least. You know, it, it's tough. Yeah, no, I mean, it's terrible, you know, and, and I, and one of the things you mentioned was the leadership aspect, every statement about him from the Bruins, uh, a lot of the Instagram posts and tweets mentioned how he was such a leader and he carried himself that way. Um, I mean, this year just sucks. I, 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 2020 is just terrible. And, and obviously his death has nothing to do with the year really, but it's just, it, it's been such a, a rough year and it's only April. Um, and you know, God bless the, the cave family. Uh, and, and obviously we send our condolences to them. Just, just terrible news. I mean, really awful news and, you know, obviously gone way too soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, really had some serious potential there and the leadership aspect was very interesting to me, um, especially there. So shifting gears a little bit here. Um, the Bruins have started having Zoom media availabilities. They had Tori Krug last week. They had Don Sweeney on Friday. They had Brandon Carlo on Monday, and then they just sent out an email. They'll have Charlie Coyle on Wednesday. Um, so the interesting part was they had Krug go first. Obviously, the big question with Krug is, what's up with your contract? Where are you at right now? Um, he says they have not had any talks over this time of the pandemic which I guess makes some sense. There's a couple more important things to worry about, uh, but still they have not happened. Matters. Yeah. There's, there's only a, a pandemic going on, um, but there's still have been no talks. He talked about how he hopes he has not played his last game as a Bruin. Uh, Don Sweeney came out on Friday and said, we hope the same. We just haven't found common ground yet. This feels like a little turning point to me. This feels like a time where I have thought it's been a, you know, a pretty good chance the entire time that Krug comes back. These comments kind of made me think there, there's a good chance he might not be back. Did you kind of get that same feeling from the comments uh, last week? Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where I, you know, I think in a perfect world, they both, you know, I think Krug wants to stay here. He's mentioned multiple times that, you know, he'd be willing to take a, a deal, you know, kind of below his market value for a guy of what he brings, you know, to, to stay here. I mean, you've seen that be the case you know, go down the list of the amount of guys who have signed kind of below the market value to stay in Boston, which is kind of a testament to, you know, the, the team and the organization they've built here. But um, I think the Bruins ideally would, would, would want him back. Like, you know, I think if you really want to max out this two to three year window you kind of have where you've got, you know, your core that's still operating at a high level and you've got these younger players who are, 
know, adding in that talent or continue to get better. Like I think keeping Krug on that blue line helps you max out, you know, that, that window. Um, but I think it's just, you know, I think in a perfect world, you know, they, they'd get that deal done, but I think there's so much up in the air right now in terms of the salary cap, they don't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, is going to be available for them to, to spend because it was funny, you know, you look back at the first week of March and the, you know, um, the NHL pretty much said, you know, after the Board of Governors meetings that they are expecting a pretty sizable jump in the cap. Like you were looking at going from 81 and a half million to anywhere between 84 and 88.2. So like you're looking at between, you know, two and a half to like over, you know, like over 6 million in additional cap space. And if you're the Bruins, you're doing, you're doing backflips because, you know, they've done a good job this year adding talent, but also, you know, shaving a lot of that extra cap space off. So like going into this off season, right, you are, cutting off four and a half million out of David Baggins' contract. You're saving one, 1.3 million with the Dan Hine in trade. Uh, and they've got about 3 million coming off the books with uh, Seidenberg's uh, buyout ending. And I think you had a lot of deferred money from Bolesky. So you get all, all that money off. And if, let's say it's like, you know, if that cap was 88.2, which probably wouldn't be the case anyway, because PA, the NHLPA has a jump in, but like, you know, for we'll we'll just say it's like that. They had they would have like twenty seven million in cap space available. Like they got a lot of guys to sign, but it's a lot of RFAs. And then it's like, all right, you send all the RFAs to you know between the, you know the one million to three million dollar range where Grizz Grizzlick or Debrusque, you know Bjork those guys. But then it's like, all right, get Krug for seven million. You got you know Halak. You have to figure out what you want to do there. But like you know they they were going to have like enough room that, you know, they could re-up all those guys to within, you know, the market value, like Krug at, you know, let's say seven and a half, seven million a year. And like, they would have probably some space left over. Now, if it's going to be 81 and a half, you're either going to be right up against it, or you're going to have to like make some other, other moves to clear up some space. So if you're the Bruins now, do you view that as like, all right, do we want to be up against the cap again next year when, we should be setting aside some money for when Kahlo gets paid again, for when McAvoy gets paid again. Like I could see the Bruins, you know, viewing it as like they, they want Krug back, but like if there's a place where they'd have to take a hit, you know, do you, you know, look at kind of the pipeline of, of defensemen coming up and, you know, say like, all right, we can give the keys to the power play to Grizzlick. who looked good when he's filled in at times on that, on that spot. He may not be as dynamic, but like, he's still working with Marshan and, and Pasternak and all these guys on, on the power play. Like there's still going to be a very good power play unit without him. Um, but again, it, it's kind of a tough call because I think the Bruins ideally would want to get a deal done. It's just, you know, whether or not th- this lower cap limit is going to really hinder them because I think not only is what, what Krug brings is, you know, obviously what he does on the ice, but I think they really value him as a guy in the locker room where he's, you know, it's funny when you look at the Bruins roster, it's, you know, the, the old guy, the guys who've been here for a decade plus. And then you've got like a few guys who are like, you know, 28, 27, you know, like Coyle, Crew, Wagner, you know, maybe like Corrali, a guy like that. And then you've got these guys like, you know, McAvoy and all these guys who are younger. Like they really value a guy like Krug who's been there for a long time. That it's kind of that bridge between, you know, you know, those two different groups of the roster. And it's a guy that want to have intact for a long time. It's just, with now the you know uncertainty of what the cap's going to be, I don't think they can really like move forward until they have a, a, an idea. Because you know maybe they agree to like a slight increase just because they know this is kind of a, a situation that's unprecedented, you know, and they like they take a hybrid idea, and you're not going to see them get into these talks until uh, you know the 
they have an idea of what the cap's really going to be. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I mean, the, the value of Tory Krug cannot be talked about enough. I mean, it brings everything, the leadership aspect. A lot of people think, you know, as these veterans retire, he'll be a, a, a sure assistant captain. Um, you know, the power play, obviously. I mean, the numbers have been said so many times. Offensively, he's so good. Defensively, he's gotten a lot better. Playing with him with Carlo has been a, has been a very good, uh, defensive pairing. So, I mean, I think it's such a much bigger story if you lose him. I mean, if you keep him, you know, you keep all of his benefits. Your power play stays pretty much probably the same. Um, you also have to think, you know, the future of Chara. You know, where is he? You know, I, they, Sweeney says they, they want to try to bring him back uh, for next season. Um, you know, he will, probably won't cost a lot. But the leadership aspect, when he goes, you want someone on that backhand who's going to have that leadership. Seems like Crew could probably be that guy. Um and then, I mean, if, if, you know, you also have to think, you know, if Krug goes, you know, you're probably losing Chara after next season, most likely, because it feels like he's probably going to be back for next season. So it'd be after next season. So you lose, you know, let's say Krug signs somewhere else. You lose Krug, Chara. What's your defensive core? McAvoy, Carlo, you know, uh, on that left side, Grizzlick, is, is he your top left shot defenseman? Lazan, I mean... You really, it's, it, it really puts things up in limbo and you don't want that defensive core to be, you know, to go from elite to young, little inexperienced, potential, but not as good as it is right now. Um, but again, that hinges on whether or not Chara goes. There's a way you could save some, a little bit of money against the salary cap. Right. Uh, but and, well, that's for, and, and, that's. Yeah. And, and also don't forget in terms of, uh, you know, looking ahead, don't forget that if let's say, you know, Grizzly is your top left pair defensive, don't forget the NHL Seattle teams ready to you know pluck one of those guys uh, very soon. And I, you know, I could see them looking at Grizzly or, or, or Lowe's on if he continues to play the way he is in the contract he's on, which is a steal. Like I feel like those are the two guys most likely you could see them, you know, plucking if they're getting, you know, a quality look there in the expansion draft. Oh, totally. And that's the other thing. And, and so you have all these, these factors. I mean, you've got to find a way, um, to get crew re-signed. I, I think it's, it's so imperative. Um, easily one of the most valuable Bruins on the team brings so much. Um, so you also had a piece this week. I think it was your latest notebook on, um, how, you know, yeah, the Bruins are screwed by this cap, but their two biggest rivals in the Atlantic, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, have it a little bit worse. I want you to go a little bit more into detail on what you wrote and sort of how the Lightning and the Maple Leafs, because obviously we all kind of make fun of the Maple Leafs for having their top guys, you know, signed to these lucrative contracts. Uh, but now we're going to really start to see the, the, the ramifications of these. And, what, you know, sort of what was your take on all that? Yeah, I mean, again, you look at if the, let's say the cap stays, you know, flat for next year at 81 and a half million, like, the Bruins, you know, they have to have, you know, take a long look at their roster, especially with Krug. Um, but, you know, they still have, you know, I think projected to have like 20 million in cap space, you know, if it, if they go at an 81 and a half, uh, you know, limit. So, you know, you have to worry about Krug, but other than that, you should be able to, you know, re-up all your RFAs. You don't have to like, you know, it's not like, you know, you're hitting one of those situations where you had to trade like a Johnny Boy Chuck or, or a situation like that or, uh, or where they'd have to sell off, you know, a, a prime candidate just to get under the cab limit. It's not anything as bad as that. You look at like Toronto and Tampa Bay, though, and it's funny with, you know, people talking about how limited this cup window is for the Bruins. And, you know, that being, you know, 
that has some merit just in terms of how, you know, these key cogs on the team are obviously getting older and older. But you look at next year, if the cap stays at this level, like Toronto and Tampa Bay are most likely probably going to be taking a step back too because they're, they're in situations where they're going to have to probably sell off you know, a pretty solid piece or two just to stay under the cap limit and not just add to, you know, rosters that are trying to get over the top. You know, you look at, uh, you know, Toronto is going to enter next year if it's 81 and a half million with just four, 4.6 million in available cap space. Granted, this is after they're going to lose Cody Cece and Tyson Barry on the blue line. Like those guys are gone. I'm, like, I don't see how they're re-signing those guys with that, that limited cap space. Their defense is already not that good. So you're subtracting from those guys. It's not like, you know, Barry and, and Cody Cease are like defensive shutdown guys either, you know, right? So like you're losing them. You you know, you've still got like this very top heavy, you know, forward forward core. Um, it's like, you know, what 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 do you do? Because like they need to add to that blue line. Like there's, you know, you're looking at a situation where it's like, all right, you know, they could probably trade like Andres Janssen who's been hurt this year, but like even then, if you want to add like a legitimate top four guy or or something like that, like are you do you have to trade like another guy who's pretty key in your middle six, like like a Kerfoot, or like you have to like trade like William Nylander or one of these guys just to like get a, an impact defenseman back? Because that, I don't see how like this this Toronto team, which is so skilled up front, but has such an obvious flaw, you know, with their defense. I don't know how you're improving that 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 flaw on your roster like through free agency when you don't have any money, like. It, yeah. it, it's wild how you look at this team and, and it's well you look at this team and how they're they're built and like you look at you got Matthews and, and Miner and Nylander and you got John Tavares who's you know still in his prime for right now it's like all right this team should be you know a cup contender for the next five you know five plus years and it's like it just shows you how mismanaging the cap can really limit what you're just gonna sign guys from like the KHL and you calling up like some prospects because like it's not going to help you get over that hump. So like Toronto's going to really, really rush that. You know, I don't really know what exactly they're going to do to add, you know, to fix that problem. Um, and then you look at Tampa Bay too. Tampa Bay is much more balanced. Obviously they don't have like a, a serious flaw like, like Toronto is, but like they're in like arguably worse shape because they got less guys that you'd want to sell off to like, you know, that, you know, ideally Tampa Bay would want to keep because I think they're going to go into next year with like just over 5 million in cap space. And they've got to sign, um, let's see, they got to sign Anthony Sorelli, who's an RFA, who has really blossomed this year. Like he, he kind of reminds me a little bit about like, how Point was maybe a few years ago, like a, a solid, you know, top six, like, you know, two-way forward who I think he was on pace for like, you know, 50 points this year. That like he could be a guy that could explode another year or two. Like he's due for a big pay raise. Um, Mikhail Sergachev, who obviously is a, a, an offensive-minded defenseman, but still a guy who's 21 years old, he's an RFA. You got Eric Chernak, who's a you know a very solid you know you know guy who can play heavy minutes on on your on your decor on a team that already has Ryan McDonough and, and Victor Hedman. Like he's a valuable asset. He's an RFA. Like, do you, are you gonna have to like just like let one of these guys go? Are you gonna have to trade them just for cap relief? Because I don't know who else you're gonna you know trade off of that team that allows you to re-sign these RFAs because, like, you know, they're going to have $5 million, and that's, you know, with letting Kevin Schadenkirk go, you know, Zach Bogosian, who wasn't that good this year, but, like, still he's a, a you know, a veteran guy. Um, you know, there's so many other – Patrick Maroon's another guy who's an unrestricted free, an unrestricted free agent. So, like, you know, you look at that team and, you know, like, how many of those RFAs they got to sign. Like, 
the five million, I, I don't know what you do there because, I mean, Sorelli should be making probably like you know three and a half minimum, four million a year, maybe more. They sign to a big deal, like like they're gonna have to like subtract from an already pretty loaded roster just to get under the cap, not only just to you know to add to this group. And that's kind of why you saw them having to trade you know, uh, first-round picks to get a guy like Barclay Boudreaux. Like, Barclay Boudreaux is not worth a first-round <laughs> pick, but he's, under, but, he, but he's under contract through next year at a reasonable cap. So they, they, you know, they pretty much, you know, pay the premium just to have a guy with term that's cheap because they know they weren't going to have any money this year. And this was, you know, expecting them to have the cap be, you know, $84, $88 million. If it stays at 81, 81 and a half, they're in big trouble. Because, like, you might have to give away, you know, one of these really stud young players that they have. And that's, you know, that's another team that's really trying to cash in on their window now. So, you know, the Bruins are in a tough spot. Like, losing Tory Krug would really, really suck. But, like, they're not in a spot where they'd have to give away, like, all right, like, we're accepting we can't find McAvoy two years, so we have to trade him. Like, they're not in, like, a spot like that, which a few of these other teams might be, you know, facing as soon as this offseason. Whenever the offseason is. We don't know when. Yeah. It could be in September. It could be in October. It could be in June. Who knows? But that's the thing, and and the and and the crazy part is, you know, this just kind of bushwhacked everybody. Nobody, you know, people thought the cap would go up. Nobody thought that this, you know, this season, which was so important for the Lightning, the Bruins, and even the Leafs, who are technically the eighth seed in the in the East, you know, all very important seasons in their you know quest for the cup to try to cash in. Um, for the Maple Leafs, again, like what you kind of touched on it very well. Um, is they're a very front-heavy team. Like, their big knock, the reason they can't get past the first round is because of their defense. Their defensive core is not good enough to get them past, to, to, to balance out that offense. And it's only going to get worse, most likely, with this, with, with the, if the cap doesn't move. Um, and with the Lightning, you look at that team, that team is stacked. You know, and and it's been that way. You know, they went to the Cup in 2015. You know, they've been to the conference final since. That's a team that, you know, it looks as good as it ever has, that'll probably miss a good chance. I mean, everyone talked about this year how the Bruins and the Lightning in the second round were probably going to be for the Stanley Cup, potentially. I mean, they, they, those were the two real favorites coming out of the East. And now that's gone. Another chance the Cup is gone for the Lightning. And, you know, if they're trading guys off, if they can't get under the cap with the guys they have and they're losing these young, you know, forwards and potentially young defensemen, they're, like that team might never win a cup because of it when you think about it. So, um, you know, that team, again, we've been waiting. They're kind of, I feel like the lightning are turning out to be the new capitals. Like they're so good and we're waiting for them to cash in um, on a Stanley cup and they're a dangerous team. They're good in net. They're great on offense. They got a great defensive core, uh, but they just can't seem to get over the hump. Um, and obviously, you know, Drew Doughty came out this afternoon and said that they're probably, you know, he doesn't see a way that they're going to have a season. I know it's a player, but still, I mean, that's a pretty big thing to come out and say. Um, so it's wild. He's, he's I mean, also on the Kings, so he, he, probably wants the, <laughs> he probably wants the season to end, like, as soon as was, possible. But that, was my again, first yeah. re- that was my first reaction. I saw that, and I was like, yeah, I'd say the same shit if I was in the in, on that <laughs> crap-ass team. Like, I'd be like, yeah, how the hell are we going to finish this season off? Um okay. But yeah, I mean the again, like the salary cap is such a bitch because the problem is, you know, these teams want to have these tiny cup windows, and now it's slimmed down even more. So I thought your piece was great because it's sort of everyone's focused on the Bruins, at least here in Boston, obviously. But it's like 
you know, their competition is not going to be getting much better either. But again, if you lose Tory Krug, if you lose Tory Krug because of it, that probably trumps what, what happens with these teams, um, unless something drastic. I mean, I think the, the as you, you touched on it, I think with the Maple Leafs, it's going to have to be a forward like a William Nylander in a one-for-one deal for a defenseman. You know, like a Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. <laughs> Along those lines. Right, exactly. where, where you're trying right. to get – because you're trying to get that big number one defenseman like Adam Larson. Um, but they're going to they're gonna need to do something along those lines. Kind of what they did with Nazem Kadri um, to yeah. get a, to, to bring in Tyson Barry. Ironically enough, that's imploded in their face because Barry's going to be gone this offseason. Um, mm-hmm. But it is very interesting. Um and yeah, I mean that's pretty much it for Bruins news right now. I don't think there's a ton um, to discuss aside from those things. Again, like as a host, I'm trying to st- stretch these topics out. I'm not trying to kill all these topics in one episode. Like Chara's future is going to be something we talk about in the future, um, and it could go into the conversation. But like, why waste it right now? You know. Um, so yeah. before I let you, before go I let you your bullet during the stretch. Yes, I, I gotta keep, I gotta keep some ammo in my back pocket. Um, so Connor, you know, as we go into this stretch, you've actually been doing some great work over at Boston Sports Journal. Um, what are you working on right now, and what can people sort of look forward to over there? Yeah, obviously we're in kind of a interesting stretch where it's almost like a prolonged off season, so it's you know not ideal by any means. But there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff you can break down, both looking at this year and obviously kind of the situation ahead, not just from the obviously the impact of what's going on right now, but just from a team perspective as, you know, the cap or progression of some of these players and just charting out how long this, this cup window really is for this team. Because I think it's, I don't think it's, you know, again, worst case scenario, they can't finish this year. Is this like, was this the last run for them? I personally don't think so. But again, there's so many different kind of factors you can weigh in for that, that, you know, to chart out like how long this team can stand as, you know, like a viable, let's say like, you know, top four team in the NHL, like a guy, a team that you really pencil in the second of every season to, you know, make a, a deep run in, in the postseason. So we have a whole bunch of stuff, you know, we've taken advantage of some of the time off to work on a few more features, a few kind of deeper dives into some numbers and stuff like that. So we'll have stuff up, uh, you know, uh, you know, throughout the weeks, you know, during the stretch. And obviously, as we get more news on the, the state of this season, it seems like that news changes every couple of hours, you know. So, <laughs> but we'll have a whole bunch of stuff on uh, Boston Sports Journal. So definitely check us out on there. And I also think what's good is, you know, we're sort of at the point in quarantine where, you know, the obsession with the virus, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. But the obsession with the virus and the news regarding the virus is not passing, but I have more of a care for other things. Like I want to read, you know, stuff that has nothing to do with the virus. So I think that's sort of how people feel as well. Like everyone's sort of coming back to reality. All right, you know, let's care about things we used to care about before, like sports, even though there isn't any on. Um, I'm so sick of the the replays and like the the old games like i really don't i don't care anymore like it doesn't it doesn't interest me you know you know how it is i know how like and the other thing is the other thing that i know i can't i exactly and i can never quite understand like why nesson's playing the entire cup run i would rather them play the best playoff games or even just all the wins i feel like that's so much more interesting than watching a game in which they lose like four to one against the lightning um 
in game one of the 2011 Eastern Conference final. Like, I feel like nobody actually really cared about that. They just want to see the wins. Um, but yeah, so that's it for this week. Um, we, I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. Um, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You guys stay healthy, stay home, and have a great rest of your week. Yeah.